right, guys, welcome back to Relentless, where we are constantly trying to find ways to help you in your physical, mental, and emotional well-being. I'm like a detective trying to find all my clients, friends, myself, ways to reduce our stress. Because when we are stressed, our cortisol is up and you cannot heal and you cannot perform at your highest level. So I, we had a previous um, episode with Emily and I enjoyed it so much and I had such great feedback and I have gotten to know her so much better and there's so much more we can talk about because what is the, one of the biggest stressors that we all have is our marriage. <laughs> So Emily, welcome back. Yes, it's so great to be back. And now we're doing it from a distance. So this is going to be great. We're both in our comfort zones at our houses. So the reason I'm doing it this way is what I've decided is because there is so much to talk about and there's so many topics to deal with in marriage and relationships, what we're going to be doing is having a four episode event on marriage and family. So we're going to start off with the topic tonight and then we'll have three others the really cool part is with this um, ability we have to do them quickly and concisely, I'm going to follow up with our content with another medical practitioner, because obviously if we're talking about relationships, we're talking about emotions and feelings, marriage after children, we have hormones involved. We have a lot of other things involved that are going to create issues. So I'm going to follow up our content with the counseling perspective with the medical perspective and what is going on in my body that make, may make me more susceptible to irrational emotional decision making. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to do that. So tonight's topic I'm very excited about because I hear a lot of people talking about this topic, not only married people, but single people. Mm-hmm. And I had, I don't think I had heard of this, um, saying or classification until recently, but Peter Pan syndrome. And so today's podcast topic is, are you married to Peter Pan? So Emily, what is Peter Pan syndrome? Yeah. Well, so we're talking about something that was coined in 1983. And so it's uh, one thing you need to know is that this is something that, uh, people talk about, it was given a name, but it's not an actual psychological diagnosis. (laughs) So we're not diagnosing somebody with something. If if we start to characterize um, the symptoms of what Peter Pan syndrome looks like and is, don't immediately take your your husband or yourself to the doctor (laughs) and tell them that they have a problem. This is something that people have coined um, just to give a persona to something that they recognize within their relationships. One thing you need to know is it's called Peter Pan syndrome, but first off, we've been talking, we're going to talk about it, but it's not necessarily meaning that it's just for men. It happens with both male and female. And so we'll get into that, I think a little bit, but what you guys need to know is it is more common in men. And so that's why you're going to see more females talking about this topic uh, because they're trying to figure out what to do with the relationship, whether it's a marriage 
or someone you've dated. Most people are going to have someone they've dated in their past that's going to say, I may, I, I dated a Peter Pan. Um, but what a Peter Pan looks like is it's someone who refuses to grow up. They really struggle with this aspect of gaining and adhering to responsibility. Um, we all go through these benchmarks in life where we mature and we go through maturity. Uh, and there's some people that have this Peter Pan syndrome where they kind of get stuck in a maturity level. And so they coined it Peter Pan syndrome, uh, which is this made up term because of the movie, Peter Pan. Um, I think it happened a lot, especially with Robin, when Robin Williams did the hook version of Peter Pan, where he does, Peter Pan does actually grow up and then he struggles to go back. And so there's this whole aspect of people that are adults and, but have the a, a body of an adult, but kind of the mind and emotional maturity and just maturity level of uh, this child who refuses to grow up. Some of the characteristics um, I wrote down for you guys is they have a lack of goals, um, lack of interest in their current career. They display a lot of unreliability. They can't seem to handle adult situations or emotions very well. They tend to have uh, a necessity to blame others. So trouble taking ownership and responsibility for their own issues. They use escape methods for coping, such as drugs, alcohol, any type of addictive behaviors. They also have difficulty with committing, expressing, kind of expressing no desire to change. So they don't want to commit to something new, but they also are struggling to want to change because they really don't see anything wrong. Mm -hmm. There's also a lack of self-confidence. There's all these different things. Another thing that I've seen um, this Peter Pan syndrome called is I've heard some people call it manolescent. So, and that's definitely coining it as a male. So, but remember that we said it could be male or female, but I've yeah. seen some people call it manolescence mm -hmm. but because they're in this teenage state and they're struggling to grow up. So that's kind of a little bit of the background uh, behind what it is, what we're talking about today, because we're going to look at looking at this personality and what does it look like to be in a relationship, in a committed married relationship with somebody who struggles with growing up and having responsibility and owning their own behaviors. And maybe you are the spouse that you have gotten to a place where you've owned your stuff and you struggle to have somebody beside you who isn't in that same place. So that's a little bit of what we're talking about. Peter Pan, if you think of the movie, everything works out. Everything magic, like he has this mentality of you don't have to worry about it. Everything works out magically. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing we're talking about Peter Pan syndrome and, and a little bit, we'll probably also touch on a little bit of the Wendy syndrome as well, because you have every Peter Pan needs a Wendy yeah. and we'll get to that in yeah. a little bit, but that's a little bit of the background. Yeah, that's, and that's a good place to start. Um, I'm glad that you pointed out that you, there is, obviously we're talking about men, yeah. but it, it, we're not here to like hate on men at, at all. So if any men have joined us, that's not what's happening here. Like you said, we're going to talk about women at, and because it can happen in both ways. There's right. different versions of it. Right. Um, so as we start to get in and unpack what this looks like, I want to give it kind of a real world example. So let's say you meet someone, you guys, you know, have a great attraction to each other, you get along really well, everything's going in the right direction, then you get married, 
then he gets a job and he's traveling a lot and he's schmoozing his clients. So he's playing golf all the time. Then you end up having a child and all of a sudden you realize yeah, nothing has changed. He's making money. He's supporting the family, mm-hmm. but he's not present in a way that you find helpful to this now blossoming, growing family with multiple people. Yeah, And it's hard to get them reined in and be participating at the level that you think they should be. They think they're doing fine because they're supporting the family and they're busy being busy. Right. Um, and I think, I think it's a great little um, phrase, the Peter Pan syndrome, because if you think about the movie and what I heard someone explain is, you know, but I guess maybe start with why this even gets started is what's the attraction of the Peter Pan type back when it got started. So how is it that we don't see this in the beginning? What's the attraction to a Peter Pan type? So I would say the the attraction or the lure that comes into a Peter Pan type is someone who kind of, we tend to have like this little bit of a savior complex. We want to be someone's rescuer. We want to help them. And so when you see someone who, I mean, think about being early on in your relationship, even when you're dating or when you're newly married, I love doing the laundry for you. Like I want to take care of you. Like there's this caretaker in us that like wants to care for them. And I want to do this for you. Or if we flip the roles and we do see a woman in that position, it's the male who at first is just like, oh, I want to mow the grass. I love taking care of responsibilities and taking the trash out is one of my favorite things to do because it's how I serve. We start out with this wanting to serve and we're caring for this Peter Pan and it turns into um, what we look at in other therapeutic principles is having a relationship where you have an overachiever and an underachiever. And a lot of times they're drawn to each other mm. uh, without, you, without you fully knowing it. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a little bit of allure at the beginning to kind of be drawn to someone who does need you. Um, I'm also thinking, this is just me kind of talking about this, because I think there's a difference between Peter Pan lifelong syndrome and Peter Pan seasonal syndrome. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes there's an attraction to, we get drawn to a Peter Pan during a season of their life where you don't think they're going to be like this forever. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to help them with their finances while they're, while they're young. And you're going to help take responsibility for certain things. And you don't realize that 20 years from now, you're still going to be doing those same things. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of the attraction that I, was- I, I think. So I think too, it's like you, you explained it from, if it was the woman meeting the Peter Pan type, her perspective. And so my thought was what, what is it that about this person that she's attracted to. And I think going back to the movie is a good reference because he's fun. Yeah. He's cute. Yeah. He, he always says yes. He's always right. down for whatever. He's right. for the next adventure. What are we doing? Where are we going? Yes. Whatever we whatever I have to do to make that happen, I'm in. So right. he's like, I think that's part of the draw too. And as a young, if you get in a relationship younger or even older, it really doesn't matter. But you're like this guy is like thumbs up to everything. And and it could even probably go in a negative way because I have heard some women looking for a yes man. They're looking for someone that says yes all the time. Yeah. So there's like, it's so hard to expect maturity of that level, but hopefully we're going to catch some singles listening to this 
and that's stuff you can look out for. So yeah, how do we start to decipher? And I think too, when you're, when you're dating someone, you're especially young because you don't like mentally develop your, all your logical thinking till like 25, I think. So I think you're, you're, you're resting on the hope of a person's, um, what they could become. You're, Mm -hmm. you're, you're hoping what they will become. And that's what you're attracted to. Not just the person they are now, but the person they are later. So how do we start to decipher or how do we kind of see and judge? Um, Because if we're young, we're young, we're going to do stuff like that. But how do we start to decipher between that person that won't be the long-term Peter Pan, but um, we can start looking for some things that, okay, he's, he's going to grow out of this or whatever. Do you have any thoughts there? Yeah, well, I would say uh, you you want to look for an aspect of discipline. People can always tell you they're um, like kind of in the Peter Pan movie, how Peter Pan comes to Wendy's uh, Wendy's room and paints this elaborate picture of something that does sound so exciting. And she, um, you know, at first is a little hesitant, but then her, you know, she gets pulled in. And so be mindful of the fact that these people that have a Peter Pan syndrome, um, or have a Peter Pan type symptomology in the way that they handle themselves, they're going to paint a really good picture up front. Mm-hmm. They're going to paint a Neverland that you just like, you're like, I want to go. I want to be a part of this guy's future. Um, and so you really need to make sure that there's some concrete backing, um, that there's some evidence uh, to the dreams that people say are really important to them, that they paint for you. Mm-hmm especially I think finances is a great one because someone can paint a really great financial picture, but they don't have evidence of how they're going to financially sustain that promise of that house on the lake that you're going to have one day and all these things that they're promising you, but they don't have a career choice and all these things. Look for, look for the backing that goes with the promises. So it could be, it could be, it could be something like they may not have that job that sustains that right now, but that whatever, if they're working, whatever job they are there every day on time, right. regular paycheck. So it may not be the forecast of what you want, but in the moment that they're in, they are following through and being following through and reliability are great things to look for, for somebody who um, does not have this Peter Pan type symptom. You want someone who's dependable. People that are considered this Peter Pan personality, they are not considered very dependable and reliable, Uh, but they are known to be like some would call them if we had some of the wives or spouses on here saying some nasty things about their spouses that we don't want to bring on here we don't want to bring in your real life stories that's for your private life um but we would have people come on and just complaining about um he said this he never followed through she said this she never followed through they they call them pathological liars even even it's the point that it gets to because they think that I can't believe anything they say. So just look for backing, look for evidence of follow through and consistency, dependability, reliability. If they can keep a job, that's a really good sign. So different things like that. Um, go ahead. Um, I, I just, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking I'm 42. So I'm thinking back to high school and college and I'm seeing, okay, that's what that guy was. You know, I'm starting to see there, I can see the type now. They're very, 
flamboyant and full of energy and sound so good, but then you're thinking they don't have a job. Yeah. At at 2021, they're still living at home, which everybody's circumstance is different. Everyone's story is different. There's a million ways to get around to being a good, responsible adult. But you have to, when you're weighing these factors, you have to think about these things. And I just, I can actually see people in my head from my past like, oh, that's what he was. (laughs) Yeah. Peter Pan's draw people in, right? Mm -hmm. They're really good at kind of getting people on board and painting this picture and let's all fly off um, in the clouds with some fairy dust. Like they're, they're great at gathering people together, which is crazy because they don't have the backing to be able to support some of the stuff that they're doing Mm -hmm. um, and and that they're saying. So, which is why they need a Wendy. They need a Wendy personality. Uh, But the hard part is some of you guys are shaking your head to all of the stuff we're talking about with, oh my gosh, I married a Peter Pan or I'm dating a Peter Pan. Oh my goodness. And the other thing you need to look at is, am I a Wendy? Mm. Because we can't just put all the, if we are not a Peter Pan, we have to own our responsibility in the relationships that we're in. And so some of us need to own that some, sometimes we not only are married to a Peter Pan, but we enable Peter Pans. Yeah. We enable wow. that. Go ahead. I actually have your book here because I, I thought the ownership perspective was very good because that's so true. You know, modern philosophy and all those things creep in when you're talking about relationships and personalities and yeah. You may have a history of, you know, you're, you watched your mom go through a certain type of relationship and you come out thinking, there's no man going to take control of me. I'm going to be in charge from the beginning. Right. Uh, he's going to do what I say. And so you may coming out of the gate, have that type mentality. So then you're going to gravitate towards a certain kind of guy. Yep. So again, like I said, there's a million ways that we could get around to where you end up finding yourself in this kind of marriage. And like right. I say, like I say, with bot, I compare everything to body work. I really don't care how you got the pain pattern that you have. Right. Every, every, I could have a shoulder issue and there's 20 different ways to get that shoulder issue. It's done. That part's done. It's how do we repair it and how do we help heal it? But right. I thought there was a great part in your book, um, Through the Storm, Everyone Needs to Get. It's a great book, but it talks a little bit about that. And I wanted to read it. It says, time to start with you. Mm. As we learn that we are both broken We also have to notice the vulnerabilities in our life that have impacted how we got to today. This is the path we need to start on, looking at ourselves before we are quick to point a finger. This is the time for us to understand grace, realize what forgiveness looks like even for ourselves, and turn from the path that we have been on. Mm. That I thought was amazing because you're you're, you're two adults with kids now. It really doesn't matter how you got there, but let's figure out how now we can both be operating at our optimal level. Right. So let's say, for example, we have a couple in that situation now. They have children and this is people come to me with stress and I'm my neck and all this stuff. But really, this is the cause because there is a there's a physical result from mental and emotional stress all the time. So to get the physical stressors to go away, we have to deal with this deeper core stuff. So if the, if a individual finds themselves in this relationship, where do they start? (laughs) 
So a couple of great things. One, just like that, that line that you read in, in the book talked about starting with me. So you can't just, some. it's so easy for us to understand something that's wrong with our spouse and say, yes, now I have a reason why I can leave or that's why our marriage doesn't work. And you put all the blame on one person, but some of the best relationships, the best marriages that come out of storm seasons come because both people looked in a mirror that instead of spending time pointing fingers, they looked at themselves. So that's why it's important where instead of spending all of your energy, now that we given you some of this information about Peter Pan, instead of spending all of your energy blaming your spouse for being the personality they are, you need to ask yourself, so how can I empower them to be something different? And also, what do I notice within me that I'm doing that is enabling this, this behavior? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People that have the Peter Pan type personalities, they need, they struggle with self-confidence. So they need confidence. They need responsibility. Um, The other thing is they need to know that they're capable. Mm. Here's what I tend to notice. And I have to stop um, marriages when they go off track because they come in and they have a goal. They want to fix these you know, things that they're in conflict about with their personalities. They want the other spouse to take more responsibility and I want you to do more and I've been doing everything on my own. But at the same time, in the next breath, they tell the other spouse, you couldn't handle the finances. You wouldn't be able to do everything I do. I can't even trust you to go to the grocery store without messing that up. Yes, and so I look at <laughs> yes, I look at those and I say, what is your goal? Because you are you're fighting your own battle. You want your spouse to take on more responsibility, but you also influence them for to reinforce in their mind, I'm not capable. Yeah. Why would I want to do something that I'm not capable of? I think a great, great example of that. And I see this a lot because I was one, my husband and I were one of the first couples of our age group that got married. So a lot of the singles were in our house and they got married and then had kids. We had kids first and stuff like that. So a lot of what I saw and still see to this day, because, you know, have a lot of people that surround me of all ages being in business, entrepreneurship and our social groups and stuff is they have that first baby and my way or the highway right? in raising that baby. You, oh. No, no, no. You can't don't, just stop. Just let me deal with the baby. Let me handle it. And, and that's fine for that first year when the baby's little and not too loud. I mean, they're going to cry, but, but like you said, you set that pattern up. The husband's like, Oh, baby's hands off. She's going to take care of the baby. Right. And they fall into that pattern. You don't have to tell a guy something more than a couple of times. And he's yes. like, And then when they're seven, when your child is seven, you come to me for marriage counseling and you tell me he doesn't engage with the kids enough. Right. And we don't take enough responsibility. I'm not blaming one person. I'm sharing the blame between both of you. Mm -hmm. But I'm not saying it's entirely your fault because you didn't let them engage early on. But I'm saying that if you're not a Peter Pan, then you need to own that, okay, I see that I played a part Mm -hmm. in where we got today. Right. When we're both at marital therapy or we're in our living room staring each other at the in the face blankly, um, trying to rebuild a connection because we are both saying we don't want to be stuck in this place anymore. 
Right. And some people get stuck in the blame game because I, I want to blame you for not being in my kid's life for the first seven years. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's not helping us today. Right. And so if our goal, I tell people there's always two goals when you bring up conflict uh, with your spouse, when you're confronting them, the first goal is you want to hurt their feelings. The second goal is you want to see a change in their behavior. Depending on what your goal is depends on what you will say to them. So if your goal is to hurt their feelings, then we'll spend all of our time talking about how you've messed up for the past seven years. Or if my goal is I'd like to see my spouse change, then I'm going to focus on empowering them, saying, I know that we can do something different. Everything is not lost. We still have other things that I can start to use um, your help with. So these different things. One reason why the Wendy personalities or the person married to a Peter Pan is going to start having these conversations is because you're probably either watching this today and you've already had your mental breakdown or you're going to have one. You're on the verge of having one. And that's because if you've been taking on the responsibility of everything, Mm -hmm. all the kids, everything that happens, um, then you are going to explode. You're going to your body's going to be desperate for help and you're going to go to Sandra first because you're not going to want to own that it's an emotional issue. You're going to go to Sandra first because your body's going to be hurting Mm -hmm. and then you're going to start breaking down with her and then she's going to refer you over to me. That is literally why this podcast exists because I know that, but people, it takes them a while to be convinced that that's how the domino effect works. Yeah. And, and, and we, and life goes by so fast. We get so busy that it's just not that one seven-year-old. Now there's like a seven, three, five and a three. Right. We get into this routine and we're making it work because we're going to plow through and I'm the woman, I have to make it work. And I'm going to, I'm going to put my, I hear this every day almost. I'm going to put myself aside. I'm not going to take care of myself because I'm taking care of them. That is not sustainable. It is not sustainable. And then you end up, like she said, coming to me or coming to someone else and your body is flatlined and literally will have a nervous breakdown because of bad communication. Right. That's really what it is, is not, you know, having a specific plan or goal or, and it's just so easy to do when you're in a relationship because you, you, like I said, you get so busy, especially when the kids get older, they're all in sports and we're coming here and there and everywhere. And, but it's just like with the body. If you want to be free from pain, if you want to be healthy, we've got to start making intentional time frame right. to work on the body. Right. So if this thing in your relationship, you realize now it exists, that lady right there, <laughs> you can help. And that's what you have to start doing is finding the people. Yeah. I can always out for support. Yeah. I mean, you have to, I can make your body feel better for a little while. Um, and there are other therapies that can help you feel better for a little bit. Um, you know, people are going to get to the point where they're in it. They're going to choose medical intervention and prescriptive interventions. And I hear it a lot too. I'm just, I'm not even going to tell him how frustrated I am. I'm just going to deal with it again, not sustainable. And, and I promise you that you will deal with your kids the same way. Mm. 
that you will get very frustrated because the things that you, cause that's, we have to let our kids fail. Like we have to give them tasks. Like I have to let my husband go to the grocery store, even though I know I'm better at it. I'm better at it. I have so much experience. I could have a doctoral degree on the grocery store because I have had to live there for our whole entire marriage. Matt doesn't completely know where different things are. And he'll and start- five versions of one thing. Yes. He, he's like, wow. And then he comes home and he's like, it was buy, buy one, get one free. And I'm like, but that means that if you get one, it's half off. You didn't have to buy two. And he's like, oh my gosh, I feel tricked. But I learned those lessons because when I was new at being married, I made those same mistakes mm-hmm. and it's okay for me to make those mistakes and learn. Yeah. But for some reason, I'm more judgmental when he makes the mistakes because I have so much more experience. Right. Or and like again, going back, going back to the kids, they're never going to get them dressed right. They're right. never, unless a guy is inclined to, you know, dressing well and stuff like that, they're not going to match. Yes. And you have to be okay with that. You know, and we can't. He's not going to brush Rosalie's hair. Like, right. he doesn't even think about brushing yeah. hair. But. Yeah. But I, you have to be thankful for help. And this is with parenting as well. Because if if you're that type of personality that I do it better, so I'm not going to ask for help, that's why your body is going to get to an explosive place. Yeah. When people come over to my house and, you know, I have pretty much open kitchen, so I'm, I'm I let them kind of rummage through things because the same people come over all the time. And I tell them just, just so you know, when you open the cabinets, like things aren't going to be that organized because my kids unload the dishwasher. Yeah. So I can't guarantee that things aren't going to fall out. (laughs) And that's because they're a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite there yet, but I would rather have them help me wrong then not help me at all because they need to learn that when they become an adult, they have responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so the same thing happens because I get a lot of um, marital spouses. One of the big issues is the dishwasher. It's <laughs> such a big one is I would rather you not help load the dishwasher because I could, I can do it way better. And re- like, like everyone needs to stop and really collect yourself because what you're saying is I would rather have it done right than have it done with my partner. Mm. And that's the same issue, but you come to counseling and you say, I, I don't have a partnership. I feel like our relationship isn't a team, but you've pushed this person away and said, I don't want you on my team. I don't want you on my team. Mm. And then you go, and then Wendy has a mental breakdown. That's the part of Peter Pan. They don't show you is Wendy has a mental breakdown and she goes I don't want all this responsibility anymore yeah and I I think that all of us tend to have a little bit I know I did I had a little bit of my own Peter Pan season I think when my oldest turned 10 my body was like holy crap I have been a parent for 10 years I'm done like I just, my brain was like, I don't want to be responsible for anybody. And like, I just wanted to check out. I wanted to run away. I didn't actually do those things. But <laughs> mentally, I was just like, I don't, I, I'm, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm tired of responsibility. Take yeah. me to Neverland. Yeah. And I think a good thing to remember is, you know, choose your battles. That's a good thing in every frame of life. But 
the choose your battle thing. Okay, the dishwasher is not a battle you want to choose. My husband's a painting contractor. That's a battle I'm not going, I, I don't need to be painting in my house because that would drive him nuts. Yeah. So in the things like the dishwasher, let it be done wrong or not as best as it could be. Obviously in the painting, he's going to take care of that. It's his specialty. So it's, you know, depending on your personality type, these things could be more hard for one than the other. And that's when we get into the personality type would be a good thing to learn about yourself is if you are on the OCD side yeah. or, or on the, um, where you're carefree and you don't really think about those things, we need to start harnessing and honing in the opposites of who we are. Yeah. So you pick your battles on those things and, and, and start to go from there. Yeah. But I think, I think you, you brought, you just, it made me think of it earlier. So now we are in this relationship we have children. So if we go back to the beginning on how that Peter Pan man got created as a boy, how could that have started for him? And how do we want to, as mothers, mm-hmm. make sure we don't repeat that in our own child and have him married off to right. and, and bless another lady down the do, road with another Peter Pan? Do not complain about being married to a, a Peter Pan if you are going to send one off into the world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Great like, point. So, so one of the things that you see is with this Peter Pan, they grow up in these environments that are a little overprotective. Mm-hmm. So you have these parents that are a little bit overprotective, do everything for them. So they never fully get that experience of responsibility. They're never fully kind of given those opportunities to fail. Mm-hmm. So they don't get to do anything at all. I've also seen people get stuck Um, in a place of emotional, like emotionally, they get stuck, like something traumatic happens to them at a certain point of their life um, in adolescence or somewhere around there. There's some type of trauma that took place and emotionally they get stuck Mm. in that place, not moving forward in the maturity that would normally happen at that stage, Mm -hmm. but your parents getting divorced or something happens in that, that area. Uh, We've seen even people that uh, men that have had sexual trauma happen or females that have had sexual trauma happen in that um, time period. One of the reasons why, and this is another thing that happens with the Peter Pan is because they develop this escape mentality. They can have a tendency to escape into alcohol, um, addiction of some type that you'll see people even as a teenager or they grow up, but they they grow up learning to have an escape mentality. Um, Even this is when, if we're talking about like men in particular, but women are prone to it as well, is they'll be a little bit more sexual sexually promiscuous. So you'll see a little bit more porn use and things like that, that will slowly turn into an addiction because something's going on in their life that they need to escape from, Mm -hmm. find their unhealthy Neverland. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of their life, they always need that Neverland experience. And so that's why as parents, we want to make sure that one, like we talked about before, allow your kids to, it's better for them to get things wrong under 18 than when they get things wrong when they're over 18. And there's lots of consequences, bigger consequences when you mess up and you're an adult. So let them mess up and make mistakes because making mistakes means that they're attempting new things. You're giving them opportunities. So think about that and watch the overprotectedness. You want, um, 
you want to raise someone who is independent. Mm -hmm. Now, what's going to be hard is for a mother or father who gets you emotionally feed off being needed. So you're going to raise this child that's used to that behavior, who's used to that. And you're not even like you're doing it for your own self-esteem. You're not benefiting raising your kid. You're, you're doing it because it makes me feel needed. It makes me feel wanted. And those are the people that are going to have the hardest time when their kids go off to college because they enmesh their identity in pouring into a person. Yes, yes, yes. There's like so many caveats I need to go off on. on this. <laughs> That's that. Okay. So again, walking in my office, the first week that school is back is a lot of moms that say, oh, my shoulders flared up really, really That's bad. So or my back went out. Oh, no, no. Your identity just went off to school. Wow. So yes. Yeah, so there's this is why we need you because it's just, there's so they much. They don't come to me first. They come I, to I know that's, I'm, I'm like, I'm the catalyst. I always say that's what I, I'm the catalyst. Because I, people I, address I, physical pain and yeah. they hope that the emotional pain will um, go away. Yeah. So as that mom, this goes back to my whole relentless mindset. And what I teach when I do group coaching or individual coaching is you've got to resolve your identity. Who are you? Yeah. as that mother so that you don't have your identity as that child and you don't create another Peter Pan. Yeah. You don't need any more of them. Um, there's just, I can't, I lost so many thoughts. Um, but we, we just have to make sure that I think like in, in other cultures, you know, a long time ago, they would do this thing where they sent the kid off into the woods by himself when he was like 10 right? and made him try to survive. He might die. A lot of them did. Yeah. But they learned there. Okay. I'm responsible for myself given, well, I think we have now turned away from this, but we had the whole, everybody gets a trophy mentality pervasive in, in parenting and coaching yeah. that, that totally destroyed that desire to be victorious and to try things and to right. have that mentality. Um, but there's just, there's so much that goes behind stopping this behavior right. and contributing to it. And it's individual, it's the parents. Right. I was going to mention when, cause you brought up a good point with the cultures. Cause that, that experience when um, the child leaves and has to like spend a certain amount of nights in the woods. And then if they make it back, then they move from being a boy yeah. to a man, right. or they even do that with females. Um, I've seen it in some other cultures where that's their experience of, they come back a woman. Mm -hmm. And so those we call these benchmark experiences and that we have them even in our own society. And as parents, it's really good for us to be doing that for our kids. Mm -hmm. Sandra, you, um, you're either about to, or you already threw your daughter's graduation party, did. right? Yes. yes. So graduation, having a party, a ceremony, those are great benchmark experiences mm -hmm. because it's, it's, um, it says to the child, you have moved up. Is so when we go from elementary to middle school, middle school to high school, I'm not saying I don't think we need to be throwing big parties every time, but the it's nice that we have these, like our body needs that mentally, it tells us I am at a new place. Mm -hmm. I am moving to the next stage. So somebody that gets stuck um, has trouble with that. 
Mm-hmm. Somebody who maybe didn't get to finish high school, they get stuck in that mentality of feeling like, well, if I didn't make the cultural ben- if I didn't do the cultural benchmark, maybe I'm emotionally, I didn't move up either. All my friends graduated high school and I didn't graduate and you just feel behind. Mm-hmm. And so that's a great thing for us as parents that we can take as a tool is it's okay to celebrate with your kids when they make another milestone. And don't just celebrate um, that they're going from eighth grade to ninth grade. It's good to give them a new responsibility yeah. at each major benchmark. Mm-hmm. that that's worth more than a participation trophy is you're saying, okay, you are now in middle school. So here's the new responsibilities that you're going to have. Mom doesn't make your lunch every day. You can make your own lunch. <laughs> yeah, those are great examples. So think about that. That's a practical tool you guys can all take with you. Mm-hmm. And, and then two is you're, I think thinking as the mom, am I raising my child? So that when they graduate, they are ready to be out on their own. Yes. What is your goal for being a parent is what I ask people. If you don't know what your goal is, then you're just free flowing this thing. Mm -hmm. Think about what is my goal in parenting? Is my goal to be needed or is my goal to not be needed? That's going to hurt a lot of people at their core because they're going to have trouble admitting out loud that I've been parenting my kids wanting them to need me, mm-hmm. but that's not the best thing for them. Right. So think about that mentality. Mm-hmm. The other thing you can do for them, uh, this actually applies to whether you are parenting someone and you want to avoid that Peter Pan lack of responsibility, or if you are the, the married couple and you're struggling with the spouse that you're in a relationship with, here's one I get all the time is um, my husband comes home and just plays video games all of the time. I feel like I'm married to a kid. Yeah, I, see so, that. I see that complaint on complaint on social media all the time. Yes. All and the time. It, makes, <laughs> it makes them think like, uh, and so first off, I want to re- reaffirm that I don't think that if you're an adult that plays video games, that something is wrong with you, but how you can practice that as an adult, what I tell spouses in that position so that you can practice having responsibility is you need to be at a place where you can set a timer. So that's something I even start with my kids. That's something that you can do if you have a spouse that plays video games and just doesn't know when to turn it off. Same thing happens, right? When we talk about alcohol Mm -hmm. is how we know that somebody doesn't have um, a responsible tolerance or doesn't know how to handle themselves is it depends. Can you go out and can you stop? You know, are you a responsible drinker? Or when you drink, do you not know how to put a cap on it? And so the same thing applies even to things like video games or whatever the addiction or the hobby is. It's okay to have childlike hobbies. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you are a child. Right. But how do you handle yourself in those hobbies? Do you have discipline? And if you can have discipline and accountability and you can like, that shows that you're bringing that adult into it. And you're doing that for your kids too. You're mm-hmm. teaching them to be able to have responsibility over their escapes, right. over their, whatever their Neverland is, mm-hmm. teach them to have responsibility and accountability in that area. 
So moving from the Peter Pan, so we talked about this could also happen for the ladies. Yeah. So what would it look like for a woman to be, or for a man to be married to a woman that has that loss of, you know, her, herself as an adult? And how would that even start? Okay. Describe to me what you mean. So, so the woman, the woman that needs constant care that can't make decisions on her own and long-term down the road, what I have seen is those are the women that usually end up having the midlife crisis because of no identity. Yeah. So they've gone through their childhood, young adulthood, married life, no identity, always needing to be cared for and then having a nervous breakdown. Or I've also even heard um, that women are more prone to be agoraphobic. So they have pain or they have a health issue somewhere later in life. And that's when they start the panic attacks. Nothing had been wrong before. And it was because of that loss of having someone tell them what to do because no one can do anything about a heart palpitation when you get older and menopause starts to happen. So are you talking about a woman who's in the place of she's dependent or yes. she's the one that's the, the Wendy taking care of? No, the woman that's dependent. That okay. Needs, yeah. So here's, here's something that is going to hit some of you that you weren't ready for um, because a lot of you just want to look at this in your relationship to your spouse. But with women, I see this come out a little bit more with, it's not just their husband that they turn to, they still are codependent on their mothers. Mm. So I know some of you guys are going to like, oh, that was too close to home, Emily. But, <laughs> um, but because that's kind of what happens is that these people that are very codependent, they had this codependent relationship with a family member, mm-hmm. they get married, and they still have this dependency, Mm -hmm. this codependency, and they're still in that place, then they're really going to struggle when something happens where they don't get the support that they had before. Mm -hmm. The Peter Pan syndrome, whether you're a male or female, and so in this case, a female, that female is going to have a little bit of a breakdown when her support system pulls out. Mm -hmm. So, um, so just be aware of that, that sometimes it's not just in your marriage, that when you're someone who's a little codependent Mm -hmm. and you have that lack of maturity, you find support and you seek out other people to care for you. I think in a marriage, a male, I I just, this is more just commonality. So it could be either way, but men are more likely to make that person they're dependent on be their, their wife. Mm -hmm. And then I see a lot of women are more likely to be codependent on like everybody, (laughs) you know, like everybody, like when you can't meet this need, I call this person. And when you can't meet that need, I call this person. And when I need money, I call this person. Mm -hmm. And we kind of find these people that we we can latch onto. And so you need to be very mindful of that. It's, it's your way of not owning and taking responsibility that reaching out in your codependency is not always the answer to how you solve problems. So what this all boils down to is individual ownership. Yeah. So regardless, again, of how we got to where we are, which one of us it is, if you're in a relationship, both of you are going to have a spoon stirring the pot. (laughs) So it comes down to self-reflection and it's hard. Humility is a big part of this. Yes. Being willing to, willing to change. Willing, big letters, humility. Yeah. 
yeah, willing to negotiate. Um, and again, that's why I think people need someone like you in their corner, an unbiased opinion that can help them navigate because one, by the time they realize they need or they're willing to seek help, there's a lot in that basket already. Right. So for them to sit down and in an unbiased, non-emotional way and fix it and talk about it is really kind of difficult. Right. So I, I just encourage everyone, if you think this is part of your issue you're struggling with, right? because people say, you know, just to use one of the easy things, men usually complain there's not enough intimacy in their relationship. Well, if she is so mad at you and getting bitter towards you, there can't be any intimacy in their relationship. Right. So again, that intimacy is the target thing that may be the problem we think, but really it's not, it's a byproduct. Yeah. So whatever is going on, the point is we need to start looking deeper, just like with health, your shoulder pain may be coming from your hip. Mm -hmm. We have to figure out what it is deep down in there that's been boiling over for years that has now created all these other offshoots of symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. With mutual ownership, it's probably easy for you, if you're aware of your relationship, it's probably easy for you to notice the toxic cycle. Mm -hmm. But the question I would ask you to go a little bit deeper within yourself as you've been listening to us talk is asking yourself, what role do I play in the toxic cycle in our home? If I have one, we're definitely not talking about abusive relationships at this point. But I want you to think if my issue is conflict management, communication, different things like that, how we solve problems is our problem, then think about if you can notice the toxic cycle, can you also notice what part you play in it? And if you can only notice the part your spouse plays and not yours, then you're not stirring your spoon. Right. Yeah. So that's why we're going to have you back because this has been a great little synopsis of this Peter Pan syndrome. I hope that it's helped someone that may be listening. Um, Of course, all Emily's information will be in the show notes. Um, But just, again, be relentless on this journey of mental, physical, and emotional well-being, because all the little symptoms that you think you have in your relationship and marriage probably have a much more deep starting point. Yep. So anything else you'd like to leave us with, Emily? I'm just glad that you guys are leaning in and just want to appreciate all of you listeners because talking about this stuff is hard and, um, but you have, you're not going to listen to something like this unless you are a learner. You're wanting to learn. You're wanting to be relentless. You're wanting to be and do better. So don't get frustrated or feel defeated. If you walk away only hearing the parts that, um, that are negative, because there's a lot in here that you might need to re-listen to where there's a lot of points of positivity of how you can make a change, how you can make a transformation, how your relationship isn't over just because you can notice the things that aren't great. So I hope that you walk away with some positives from all of this. Yes. And that will be continued. Um, Like I said, we're going to have more episodes, three more to be exact. And the next one will be what I just kind of started off talking about is intimacy. Intimacy. You know, you're going to tip into that one. Yeah. So that's, that's a big topic and there'll be a lot surrounding it. We'll probably get some questions. I might have some questions for you from listeners for that episode. That would be good, but we'll see you next time on the next episode. Thank you, Emily, so much. See you guys next time. Thanks.